Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. The podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, joined once again by my sports fan hat and jersey wearing <laughs> co-host, Rob Dunham. I do like my sports. It's true. But I like movies more, and that's why I'm sad. Yes, it is a dark week for movies. That is, that is for sure. So in tonight's episode, we are going to discuss Regal shutting down in the U.S. and all the negative implications therein. We will also discuss Mel Gibson as a disgruntled Santa. So that's something the best old man actors, and of course, we'll get to our watch list. But Rob, man, we, get, we gotta start, we gotta start with the, the 100 pound, well, 1,000 pound elephant in the room, what, however big the elephant is. It's at least a few tons. <laughs> large, oh. So this, the the news about movies is not good this week. This is this is a terrible week for movies. And it kind of all kicked off, let's say last Friday. And kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. We've been talking for a few weeks about various movies getting pushed back and various movies getting delayed. But the one that really triggered everything that happened this week was Bond. Bond had been scheduled for November. It was the next big release to come out. And then the studio opted to move Bond to April. And at that point, the movie calendar looked like absolutely nothing until Christmas. And so as a result of that, um, the rumor came out a few days ago about uh, Regal thinking about shutting down all of their US theaters which they then announced on Monday, which took effect today. And we're recording this on Thursday. So as of the end of business on Thursday, Regal is shut down indefinitely. Now, I mean, they're saying temporarily, but you, you, uh, it, it feels like indefinitely. It doesn't feel like temporarily. Because yeah. like you said, there's just nothing major coming out until... Christmas, and that's only if Wonder Woman holds its spot, which I would say the odds of happening are almost zero percent. They've just got to be incredibly low that it's going to stay there. Yeah, I think there there were several reasons that Regal cited. Um, the primary reasons um, were the lack of a of a movie pipeline, and in particular basically the lack of any sort of things from some of the, the local governments about when they were allowed to open their theaters, in particular, New York City. The government in New York City has been incredibly hard to work with for the movie theater industry. And so they just have no pathway forward as to when they can open their theaters. And as we've been finding out how much the movie industry actually relies on some of these major cities in order to drive uh, the gross of their films and and to be able to um, make money in the theater industry. So, man, there's a lot. There's a lot that went wrong here. <laughs> there's a lot that went wrong here. So let's let's talk about it a little bit. Let's get into let's get into the specifics. Man, this is this is rough. I'm yeah, I got I got a, a text from my friend Jacob uh, as I was driving home from Delaware on Sunday night um, after celebrating uh, my son's birthday with my in-laws and I called you right away because I was shocked by uh, sent me an article to uh, this idea that Regal was considering closing because they had already decided to close the Cineworld theaters in the UK and uh, I just, like, as much as I could see things kind of falling apart or not 
being connected the way they needed to be for the industry to thrive, I think I was still taken aback by a whole chain of theaters like that actually closing. Um, Especially with, given the fact, I mean, it, it hits close to home as they say, because those are, uh, the Regal in York and the Regal in Lancaster are the two closest movie theaters to me, pretty much. Yeah. Um, that are major movie theaters that I go to. Uh, and so now they're gone until we don't know when. Um, I also think it's interesting that AMC has decided to hold out on closing. Uh, I, I read... Uh, that earlier AMC at the beginning of the pandemic was saying that they were worried about surviving the pandemic. So you almost wonder if they're just staying open because they're worried that if they close, they won't open again. Yeah. And I I really think that's, that's how precarious it is right now. Yeah. I like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to say about this. Um, but the first thing I go to is, and I think there, I can turn, I can turn this and say negative things about both the, the Regal and, and the studios, but I, I just have to start with the studios. I think they have been, I think they've been abysmal. I think their decision-making has been, has been very short-sighted. I would say even borderline selfish and gutless if i'm being really honest about it um they seem to have no sense of understanding of their role in helping their industry survive they seem to have no sense of the consequences downstream of any of the stuff that they're doing and the only thing i can think of is just how short-sighted it is i mean i understand it in a vacuum you take a look at a specific movie. Let's take Bond. You look at a specific movie and say, is Bond going to make more money now or is Bond going to make more money later? And you put your odds on later. And so you move it. The, well, question, the question is how much later yeah. do you let it go? Because if you just keep pushing it back and pushing it back, when does later come? Yeah. And exactly. I think that's what we're both wondering. Yeah. And, and then in the meantime, there's – like you do that with one film, okay. But then when you do that with every single one of your films and you make that short-sighted decision for every single one of your films, what do you give anybody? I mean, not to mention, it hardly feels like they really gave it much of a shot. You had one true legitimately big time movie come out since theaters reopened and that was Tenant. None of the other movies that came out were anything close to a giant movie. I mean, New Mutants, eh, it, it wasn't going to be a blockbuster. And to not, even, to not even give a second movie a chance out in this environment, I mean, it just, it's incredibly short-sighted because now theaters have very little content to show for it. They rely on the studios. And what's going what's gonna to change? Like if, if part of the thing is getting people comfortable coming back to the theaters, if you shut everything down, if everything shuts down because you're not giving them any movies, you have to start that process all over again several months from now. I think the reality is that as much as we are frustrated with things, you also have to wonder uh, what expectations were put on Tenet that uh how it's performed hasn't been adequate i mean um i've seen overseas it's made over 300 million dollars but in the united states it's it's only made uh under 50 based on the last numbers i saw um i think studios a lot of the time they they enjoy overseas numbers and the reasons why they're making so much more money overseas right now is because there are several places where there aren't restrictions in place because uh, they handle uh, the situation uh, that our own country did. Um, but I, you have to wonder what those markers were for tenant being released in the United States. Because the expectations, I think, must have been uh, so optimistic 
as to be unreasonable. Yeah. Because you really, I, I don't know what they were expecting it to do in order to somehow be a springboard to launch all these other movies. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what they were, I don't get what they could have been thinking Tenet was going to do. And, and if you see anything, like the process for everything right now is taking longer than we, we anticipated, longer than we thought. And I think the idea that you were just going to throw out a movie and everything would be fine just doesn't make any sense. And then, and then to just throw in the towel after one movie and essentially about six weeks, six, eight weeks of, of runtime for this stuff just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And especially when you watch, when you watch other industries who are operating at nowhere near their normal levels of income just to stay afloat. Um, you see ever all the restaurants, you know, still out there serving, even though they have sometimes incredibly tight restrictions on what they're able to do. And it's already a low margin business and they're out there doing what they can just to try and survive. And the, the, the idea that the studios and theaters just think that, you know, they can just shut down for months and months and months and, and it'd be okay. doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't know. I mean, where do you think this leaves us? I, I not in a good place. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't understand what, what I, I don't understand a, a different path that Regal could have taken right here as frustrating as it is. Um, I am kind of surprised by AMC continuing to remain open. Uh, given the reasons that Regal gave, I don't, I don't feel like they could be much different for AMC. I mean, the theater industry as a whole is suffering. It's not just one brand. And I, I don't see how that's going to improve. I wonder if it's just posturing from these other chains for a while to stave off having to do the same thing. Um, because it, it's it's uh, it's essentially a movie desert uh, for the next at least two months, and that's only if uh, Wonder Woman holds its date. And like I said before, I really don't see that happening. Um, and the the other thing we have to consider that makes this a rough situation. We talked about this too, is that even when restrictions are lifted and people can start coming back out to movies the the theaters aren't going to be at full capacity right from the beginning because i really believe there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to go for a long time uh because they're not going to feel comfortable uh we've we've both uh had an opportunity to go see uh, movies in the theater a couple times uh i definitely have not gone as many times as i would uh, previous to all of this stuff going on, uh, I've, I think I've been twice, two or three times total. Um, and even that, some people that I know are displeased with <laughs> my decision. But being there, I was one, uh, like, I, I think the couple times I've been there have been five or six other cars total in the parking lot. So no one's going to movies right now. Uh, no one is going. And the real question is, how soon will it be before people actually start going again? And if people aren't going to start going back again early on, are studios going to continue to push the digital home release model and try and expand that? See, there's just not, there's not, I don't think that's, I don't think that is really going to be a model that actually works for a long, long time. Um, I don't think that's a solution. And I just, like, this is where, this is where I think, I agree, I understand where Regal's coming from. However, you can't do anything when you're shut down. Like, you can't, you can't adjust, you can't pivot, you can't make any, like, you just cannot make anything happen when you're shut down. And so, um, there's a sense in which I think, throwing in the towel, as it were, um, while I understand where they're coming from, I just, I don't see that as, 
I think they made that decision too hastily. I don't, I mean, I'm not looking at their books. I'm not looking at any of that. And so I, and they're under, their reasons are completely understandable. It's just, you know, you can't do anything when you're shut down. And yeah, I just think it's, to, it's such a money driven business. That if no money is coming in, you can't pay the people who are working at the theater. Yeah. If you can't pay the people who are working at the theater, it's hard to operate the theater. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know how it is in Lancaster, but I know that in York, it seems like they usually don't have a giant staff amount anyway. Yeah. Even when things are going well. So if things aren't going well, yikes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, and, and it comes out down to the studios. It's like there is, people go to theaters to see movies. That's, so if you, if the studios will not give you movies, people will not come back to the theater. Like it, the person who isn't, who's on the fence about whether or not they're comfortable going to the theater, it's gonna take a movie they want to go see to get them out there. And so studios are gonna have to release movies. And their Tenet was a great movie and it was a great choice, but it's a movie and it's not gonna to appeal to every single person. So the idea that, you know, we uh, will we'll try it once and then if it doesn't go out, it just, I when you watch other industries pivot and when you watch other industries doing what they can to survive and it just looks like the entire movie industry just throws up their hands and cancels the rest of the year. It's, it's, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. We compare it often to sports because we both really like sports and some leagues have done uh, things better than others for sure. Uh, but one thing that most of the leagues have been doing is, communicating what's going on to the players to the owners to the people who are going to be watching too like ahead of time not just kind of doing everything by the seat of their pants and I feel like the theater industry right now is not doing a great job of communicating and anecdotally I uh, it makes me think about a post I saw on reddit of a regal employee who said they found out about this thing happening because they saw an article online yeah and it wasn't until the next day that they got an email from the corporate office saying this is decision hasn't been made final yet we're reviewing everything before we make a final decision and you've got to you've got to be out in front of this if you're in this industry and you're going to do that to the people who work for you because let's be honest working in a theater is not a glamorous job but it is a job that a lot of people need it's a it's a big industry in this country and closing a few hundred theaters is definitely going to have an impact on people yeah i think i saw something where it was like uh 40, employees work for Rio. <laughs> so that's that's rough the other thing i was thinking about too is if you're the theater industry how much trust do you have in the studios right now because everyone waited until they finally were willing to release movies. Movies come out, and then six weeks later, the studios just throw up their hands like, eh, never mind. <laughs> I mean, how, how easy is it going to be for the theaters to trust the, to trust the studios when they go to reopen? Like, hey, trust us this time. We'll release movies, we promise. I think you're your ire at the studios as well I think their projections were way off because the only way this happens the way it's happening right now is if the numbers came in like I don't know less than half of their lowest projection yeah which means that they really messed up <laughs> when when it came to trying to figure out how well tenant was going to do in the theater in the yeah. country yeah so let's wrap it up with this. What, what's your prediction? When, when, does, uh, when does Regal reopen and or when do we start getting new movies back? Big releases. I don't know if I'm brave enough to make a prediction. I think it's going to be several months into next year uh, before we see a major movie come out. I, I would, because people are, People are not going to come out in droves and droves. Um, like, even if 
even if there's a vaccine, even if people are feeling more comfortable, it's going to take a while. So I, I, I really think that we're looking at maybe this next summer before we see something major. I, I really think things will keep getting pushed back. And the other thing that I worry and, and believe too is that uh, one or both of these major chains, uh, you know, might have to go into different hands in order to survive. And I think you could be looking at some very interesting players in this industry. Um, Amazon, Microsoft, companies like that come into my mind. And the question then is, uh, how does that change the industry as a whole? Because I think we could be looking at a whole new mm -hmm. dynamic uh, when it comes to distribution, um, pricing, the whole the whole industry could change could it could be completely different a year from now than than it is at the moment um yeah like i said amc is already talking about worrying about making it through this mm -hmm. and, and not having to go out of business yeah so it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really difficult i i i think the next six to eight months are going to have some really devastating and uh, paradigm shifting impact on the theater industry. And by the way, uh, how about what a fantastic job it was by us to start this movie podcast <laughs> uh, when movies don't exist anymore. <laughs> oh yes. We hit it. What, we what hit about it. you? Are you, are you more optimistic than me? Are you, are you more hopeful? Cause I just, I, there, it, it seems like there's nothing to be hopeful about. And I, I just feel more and more angst and, yeah. and, uh, you know, bleak about it as I look at it. Like if I, the optimist in me says, says that I can see someone coming around and saying, Hey, Christmas has always been a huge movie time. Families love going to movies for Christmas. I can see some, I can see there being a, on the most optimistic part of me, can see that somebody would, will throw something out there and say, hey, let's, let's check back in and see what it is. Um, but realistically, I think we're talking spring. I mean, they, they rescheduled Bond for April. So if you're asking me, I think that's, that's more where we're looking. Um, but I, I don't know if I, if I felt like the studios were, were making good decisions and were being well run at this moment, I would, I would maybe feel differently, but just seems like, it seems like the decision-making is not, is not on par. So that's, that's where I'm at. Optimistically Christmas, pessimistically spring. Yes, we need to, we need to start that uh, theater reopening pool. We'll get some, Yes. Get some of our <laughs> listeners to put in their opinions too and their thoughts, which you can do on our YouTube page and on our website, by the way. <laughs> yes. Leave us comments. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Let's, we, we have to put a lid on this. I could talk about this forever because it's just driving me nuts. But uh, let's move on to Mel Gibson and Fat Man. This. I had to put this in there as a transition just because it's so ridiculous and it's, it just makes me laugh and I, I think it's fun. So um, the trailer dropped for Mel Gibson's movie Fat Man, which uh, in theory is supposed to come out in November. Uh, he is a disgruntled Santa Claus who through, if you see the trailer, through some happenstance, he ends up giving coal to a spoiled young rich kid who then hires an assassin to kill Santa. Oh yeah, and Santa is also working with the US military. Yes, and Santa has a military contract. So this, you have to watch the trailer for this because it's so ridiculous, it's so fantastic, and I am 100% here for it. I absolutely I not really. I hadn't even heard of this movie until it was in the show rundown. For tonight and I watched the trailer about a half an hour ago and I have to say that I, I felt like I was having a, a fever dream or something <laughs> I, and that was only like a minute and a half 
I can't I can't imagine what this whole movie is going to be like. Whatever demented mind came up with this concept, <laughs> it's probably Mel Gibson. But whatever yeah. demented mind came up with this, I I salute you, sir. You are you are a fantastic person. <laughs> uh, I think the good news about this is this is the kind of release that uh, almost it's it's on the trailer it lists coming out on demand too. So I think it this is almost certainly a movie that regardless of what happens with the theaters is going to be released in some form. So it'll be available for us to watch in November. So uh, this might be like the thing that I say I'm thankful at when we talk about uh, what we're thankful for around the Thanksgiving table at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I absolutely need hitmen going after Santa and, and uh, bent drunk um disgruntled mel gibson santa out for yeah, not not jolly santa claus sir surly santa claus yes. is what we're looking at right now yes and and uh very appropriate reindeer as well <laughs> very fitting for the time that we're in right now i think uh, a surly over at santa claus yes <laughs> yes he, he is the meme of our 2020 santa and christmas <laughs> season <laughs> he's he's not bad santa he's just disappointed yes <laughs> this is all he's just had too much at this point so yes check out we'll put the link in the in the show notes to to check this out you have you just have to watch it and enjoy you your life will be better for having done so i mean it'll it'll be more interesting that's for sure <laughs> yes all right, so let's 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 do a quick rundown of what may or may not be in theaters, depending on whether or not you can find a theater anywhere near your area that is still open. Thankfully, I still believe that at least one of our independent theaters, if not both of them, in my area is is still open. So there might be a possibility of seeing movies, at least this week. Um, so there's a couple things that come out. Um, the biggest release would be The War with Grandpa. And this stars Robert De Niro and Uma Thurman. And it is the classic plot of an upset kid has to share his room with his grandfather who moves in. And this does not go well. And so the two of them declare war on each other. So I saw the trailer for this one. It kind of looks funny. It kind of looks interesting. I mean, it's, uh, it seems like something that, uh, that could be fun. Um, so that's, that's one. I mean, um, yep. I, I saw the trailer too, and I had similar thoughts, but in the midst of having those similar thoughts, one overarching thought just came into my mind, like, this is where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I'm looking, like, this is what I'm excited about. Yeah. Like, this is, this is how, how little there is out there right now that I'm excited to see Robert De Niro terrorize a 10 year old. Like, yes. It's it's very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it, is. it is. It's so bad. I mean, I I love you, Bobby, but this is this is a classic old old actor getting a paycheck movie. Like that's all this is, and and yet we're ex we're over the moon to to watch it. You know. And believe it or not, he in theory has another one coming out next month, uh, where where he's. Uh, he he's conning he's trying to set up a, a long con as a movie frontman trying to kill his star actor for insurance money so i saw a trailer for that one that's coming out interesting in so sounds yeah. serious uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's that's the war with grandpa also the doorman comes out and that stars ruby rose and jean reno and it's a woman returns from combat and befriends a family in NYC when a gang of thieves plot to take the family's valuables. She is all that stands between them and their lives. It's very That's intense. Yeah, very dramatic <laughs> read. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh, another action movie that, oh man, I, I, could, I could talk about this for days. Just... It, these three of action movies that are just not quite believable or not as weighty as the people making them probably think they are. 
is uh, is uh, usually that's straight to DVD or in the theater and no one goes to see it. And again, we're at the place where that's what's in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing that's there. Yep. And the last one I've got uh, for this week is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, and this is a terror grips a small mountain town as bodies are discovered after each full moon. Losing sleep, raising a teenage daughter, and caring for his ailing father, Officer Marshall struggles to remind himself that there's no such thing as werewolves. I bet Officer Marshall is the werewolf. I don't know anything about this movie, but, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go ahead and, and make that prediction right now. Yeah. Go <laughs> I don't know that any of us will figure out whether that's true or not, but hey, maybe if one of our listeners... The world may never know. <laughs> I can let us know if Marshall is the werewolf or not. <laughs> Someone please watch the movie for us. Yes. <laughs> so if you happen to be near an actual open theater this weekend, check out a movie. Do it. Be the, Make sure the, you stay like 30 feet away from someone and yeah. you know, don't eat any food while you're there, even though you, you can. <laughs> I'm, I'm still up for eating food. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on. So, in honor of Robert De Niro's massive release of The War with Grandpa, I got to thinking about this. He is now firmly entrenched in the old man movie roles. Robert De Niro is now the old man movie guy. Um, so it got me thinking. What in your mind? Who are the best old man actors? Now, we're talking about ones who um, have both the age on their side and who are actually playing the role of old men. Um, there's some play in that, but like I think of like Sean Connery in The Rock. Yeah, he's kind of playing an old man, but really he's just Sean Connery. So like actually playing the role of old men, and they are old men themselves. And you can go... You can go with some past ones and some present ones. So what do you got? Who, who are some of your favorites that you think are the best old man actors? Not uh, necessarily for their roles when they were younger men, but as old men. What's interesting is that the first one I'm going to say, I think is almost exclusively known as his role since he became an old man. Hmm, okay. And uh, that's Morgan Freeman. Oh, yes. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of light shown on his work when he was younger. Like, to me, Morgan Freeman has always been old. Yeah, um, I agree. Even if you go back to uh, 1996, I think, Along Came a Spider. Mm. Uh, even mm. in that movie, he felt old. He felt like an old grizzled detective. And he that was, was, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah, he was old in Shawshank Redemption in 94. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's always been the wizened voice of reason, the the actor who has it seems like every role he has, he has gravitas. Like mm -hmm. there's something about him that exudes paternal wisdom that people are always turning to him and hoping that he'll have the answer for things, you know. He so, doesn't have to stop reading like random nobody company company ads <laughs> on tv though that's that's kind of diminishing the whole morgan freeman thing yeah he's definitely uh he's who comes to mind first for me by by quite a bit how about you so the first one that actually pops into my mind and i've had this in my mind for a while um and it's he's a little bit he's dead now unfortunately but he's, he's a little about, bit dead yeah he's just a little bit dead. <laughs> he's only mostly dead <laughs> oh no <laughs> I hope none of his family is watching, and if you are, please forgive us. Yes, I apologize. Uh, but that's Richard Harris. Mm -hmm. I think Richard Harris was a fantastic old man actor. Um, played Marcus Aurelius in Gladiator. Um, played um, I forget the I forget the guy's name, but he, um, the Count of Monte Cristo. He was the old mm -hmm. the old guy um, that Jim Caviezel befriended, who taught Jim Caviezel when they were in prison. Um, in The Count of Monte Cristo. And of course, he played Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. Um, I just thought he's, he's fantastic. He has gravitas, as you, as you said. Um, he, he just carries, he carries the weight of experience and 
that wise king role, the role of the wise king, which he played in all of those movies, I think he does it so, so well. So my, uh, my first one is, is Richard Harris. And it's too bad because he died in 2002 and he was, he was not super old. And I think they were really counting on him for the rest of the uh, Harry Potter series. But, uh, but he was very good. I, I just loved him as Marcus Aurelius in Gladiator. He did such a good role, even though he's, you know, he's killed off really early in the movie. He really sets the tone for that movie. Who else you got? What, what, what else is on your list? Okay, so the, the next one is of hair. And okay. uh, I really think that their roles together in The Lord of the Rings is mm. what sets them apart as a pair but know where you're going uh there there's there's something about both actors that makes them belong together in my opinion just a stately kind of elegant professional british <laughs> <laughs> acting sensibility and of course i'm talking about um ian mckellen and christopher lee and mm. Uh, their interaction in those movies is top notch. Probably one of the best parts of the entire series is seeing them as Saruman and Gandalf going back and forth and fighting one another. And the thing about it is that you could very easily in that position, not take that kind of role seriously or as seriously as they clearly did uh, by them approaching it the way they did it added it lent a weight to every scene they were in into the series as a whole that these um archetypal older figures were so heavily invested and deeply invested and we've seen uh them in a whole bunch of other kind of roles um recently uh ian mckellen has been doing some more uh serious drama uh, kind of work and some suspense and things like that. Uh, so I, I just, the, they're almost one person in my head, <laughs> but they've both had incredibly long distinguished careers and yeah, Christopher Lee and Ian McKellen, uh, can't say, can't say, uh, enough about them and their influence yeah. on cinema as a whole. Yeah, yeah, McKellen, McKellen has to be near the top of the list on this. Um, he's so good, and he had such, he was so unbelievable in The Lord of the Rings that, I mean, that alone almost puts him up there. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a guy we already mentioned. I'm going to go with De Niro. I think De Niro has actually done a great job as transitioning to, to an actor playing old man roles. Um, and I think one of the ones that I immediately think of with this is uh, the movie, The Intern, um, with, um, oh, I'm like gonna have to, yeah, the movie, The Intern, we'll just go with that. So um, he, he does a great job in that role as the, he's, he's the grandfather who comes in and he's an intern in, in a, a young tech firm and Anne Hathaway was is the co-star, which I was blanking out on. And he just plays a great stately grandfatherly figure. Um, he's wise, he's not crazy or lunatic, he's just a stable figure. I think he does a great job in it. And then I I've enjoyed I've enjoyed some of his other roles. So I think he's he's he has made the transition into old man acting well. Uh one other one that I I would uh bring up too who's also connected uh to ian mckellen uh sir patrick stewart yeah i thought about him too <laughs> yeah and man what can you say about patrick stewart i mean the guy it just seems like just is consistently on top of things mm -hmm. uh, in the moment and an interesting thing about him too is that he's one of those actors that i almost think of as always being old, even yeah. though as Picard, he wasn't necessarily that old. Uh, he so. certainly played the role with, with a, a lot of experience and them. Um, I think he, with, without him in that role, the next generation is not anything close to what it 
became. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's a TV show. We're not talking about movies, but there were some Star Trek movies that he was a part of. Yeah. Um, and then his his uh, role as Professor X in X-Men mm-hmm. um, is just phenomenal, especially when you consider the length of time that he has been committed to that role and the types of different movies he's been in uh from the crazy comic book style movies to logan which was just a whole different side of his personality but he still in my opinion managed to pull off the fact that he was still the same character even though he had a slightly fouler mouth (laughs) (laughs) and he was allowed to in the other movies yeah um he's just he's uh he's an actor who has always been old but doesn't seem to age like he always he always seems to be the same person to me and i don't understand how it's possible (laughs) yeah and i'll give you one more that's like that one more that's like that is gene hackman Gene Hackman was another guy who was always old. Even when he was young, Gene Hackman was always old. And so it always felt like he was playing the role of an old man. And, and I would like to note, too, that I I may have been talking in my tenses earlier and not have made it clear that I do know that Christopher Lee is not alive. <laughs> he died in 2015. Um, and that is that was definitely a loss for uh, movies because he had – a lot of class and a lot of uh, dedication to his craft that made everything he was in better. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on here. So, um, let's let's just move ahead to our watch list since we're we're running uh, long on time here. Let's. Uh, Rob, what did you watch last week? I watched a movie called Ava, which. Uh, stars Jessica Chastain and is an action movie uh, about a hit woman uh, played by the aforementioned Chastain. Okay. And I had mentioned earlier that there's this whole undercurrent or industry of action movies that maybe are not quite as hard hitting or heavy as the people producing them think they are. And there are certainly moments in this movie that are that way, that feel that way. But there's just some people when you're watching them that you can't buy that they are really that person. Yeah. And I could buy it in certain moments, but through the majority of the movie, all I could think was Jessica Chastain is not a hit woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And maybe that will come with time. Uh, I, we, we've talked uh, at length before about how Uma Thurman has transformed her career to be this crazy action star. And maybe there's that potential uh, with Jessica too. And this is just the beginning of that, getting toes in the water and, and going down that path. But when it's your first major foray into it, it you can see the awkwardness or the not quite complete dedication to that kind of role. Um, Not saying that she didn't try or that she didn't put in the effort, but just, it just doesn't feel like real. Hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. I've seen movies along similar lines that I can, I can identify with that. Sometimes, sometimes the, the name in a movie doesn't necessarily mean that the character is going to be, the right character or is that it's the right role and I, mean, I really liked a lot about the movie I, I liked um Colin Farrell's character I liked John Malkovich as uh elderly father figure type mm-hmm. role uh there's there's a lot going for the movie it just it doesn't hit uh it doesn't hit 100% as feeling mm-hmm. uh tethered to reality for me so is it more is it more the script or is it more the performance, do you think? I would say performance tied in with some of how uh it was shot, some of the choices uh by the uh by the director of photography. Um it's, it's hard it's it's difficult to really quantify exactly what it was about the movie hmm. that made me feel that way. And 
to be honest, it may be a preconceived bias going into it of, huh, she's playing an action star. Hmm. Uh, I don't think she's an action star. So maybe I need to see the movie a few more times to be fair to it, but that's just my initial impression. Okay. All right. So uh, this past week, I saw a couple of things. Uh, I went back and I've been meaning to watch The Equalizer 2 since like forever because I missed it when it came out in theaters. The Equalizer also. Yeah, well, what I realized is I don't really remember Equalizer that much. I know I saw it, but I don't remember it that much. So I went back and I watched the original Equalizer, the first one starring Denzel Washington. And I got to say, I really enjoyed it. I mean, Denzel, as he gets older, is a little less believable as, as like the jack of all trades, beat everyone up, super hitman type. However, the movie itself, I just enjoyed it. I just enjoyed, I enjoyed his character. I enjoyed, sometimes you just love it when just the bad guys just get it. <laughs> There's something about Denzel Washington that you got to give him props for the amount of different kinds of roles he's able to pull mm -hmm. off. Like we were talking just now about certain actors, maybe not being able to pull off that action star persona. But then you look at Denzel Washington with the equalizer, like you're talking about man on fire. Mm -hmm. It's probably my favorite action movie that he's in. He's 100% believable. Like, yeah. you really believe this guy is capable of everything that he's doing. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the same guy who's doing serious, su super serious drama roles, too, yeah. and you're believing him in that, you know? Yeah, and I love about his character because he's so, he's so, like, buttoned up. Like, he, he has everything in order. You know, he has his, his shirt tucked in. He's, he's got his routine down. He's got his books that he's reading. And then when he flips into action mode, it's like, boom, you're done. And so, yeah, it, it's a fun movie. I mean, it came out in 2014. So uh, perhaps a lot of you have seen it. But if you haven't, check it out. It's worth it. Um, and the second one I saw was a movie called No Safe Spaces. It's a documentary that came out from Adam Carolla. I think it came out earlier this year, maybe the end of last year. Um, but I, I decided to check it out, but it's basically, it's basically talking about, uh, some of the attacks on free speech that have been happening on college campuses. Um, and I thought it was really well done. I mean, Corolla is of course himself. And so it's got a good mix of serious and comedy and, and it, it's a movie that talks about a serious topic, but doesn't take itself too seriously. And one of the things I liked about it was that it, uh, it, does, it does make an effort to get people from all sides of the aisle um, and get their opinions on, on, on these topics. So um, they're trying to make the case that this isn't a partisan discussion. Mm -hmm. So I think they did a great job of getting um, people who would be obviously on the left to talk and, and obviously on the right, and they were all talking in, in the same language. So I think it's, if you, if you like, if you like documentaries and you're, you're interested in that, it's worth checking out. Yeah. Documentaries are always uh, an interesting and can be a tough one because mm -hmm. uh, with every documentary, there is an agenda and yep. it's hard for me to watch a documentary and not feel like uh -huh. I should believe everything that I just saw. Yes. Because that's what they're pushing for. <laughs> yeah, and, and I almost, I've gotten to the point where I almost do the reverse in which whenever I would watch a documentary, I'm like, okay, what's the real story? <laughs> Here's what they're trying to push. Now what's the real story? So yeah, documentaries are tough. It's tough to, it's tough to get into them because they clearly do a good job of framing things. Yeah. It's really tough to gauge if a documentary is well done. <laughs> yes. In my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's one of the tougher genres because they're clearly after a specific point. I, I can tell you, I've watched several documentaries or in recent months where I'm like, yeah, no, just no. That's, <laughs> none of that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, how about it? Do you watch anything else this week? Uh, I've been watching a lot of nothing. Okay. <laughs> because uh, of needing to sleep. <laughs> yes. Good. But but uh I I have recently started the I, I went out and bought a twelve terabyte hard drive and I'm in the process of my digital format for myself. So 
as I go through that process, I think uh, I'll be watching some of the ones I haven't watched in a long time uh, yeah. after getting them on there on my, my personal movie server. Yes. <laughs> so do you have anything picked out that you're going, you're thinking about watching in the coming week? So uh, one of the ones that's first on that list, because one, one of the reasons why I did this project is uh, some movies don't come with a digital copy. A lot, mm. a lot do, but some don't. And uh, yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time, I haven't been able to find a version of with a digital copy. So mm. I have the Blu-ray now I can put it on my um, server and that's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so I'm planning on watching that this week. Yeah. Going old I, like I, I love that movie. And just the sheer absolute absurdity of the cartoon yeah. world and the human world interacting is amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so well done. It was a cool concept. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to try and see the war with grandpa um, because, you know, who knows, <laughs> who knows how, how long I'll get the chance. Because what else are you going to watch? I know. <laughs> what else are you going to watch? And then I want to wrap up. Uh, I want to do the equalizer too. I want to make sure I get to that. So that's what, that's what's on my agenda for this. Week. I'd still like to see that. Remind me of the title, uh, the movie we talked about last week of the couple who go into the woods and then realize. Oh, yes. Save, save every save yourselves or save everything um yeah i think it's save yourselves i think that's right um i think is yes um i'll either try and find that digitally on demand or uh i saw that it was at penn cinema so maybe yeah. it will still be there during this next week and i'll have a chance to go see it yeah i do know that it's out both on both formats so mm -hmm. yeah yeah it does look interesting yeah because uh, we should be watching something new you know, as, <laughs> as little as there is out there, we should still be making the effort. Yep. All right, Rob, we should wrap up. Yeah, it's been a it's been a good one tonight. Good discussion. Yeah, it's been a good discussion. It's a dark discussion, and it it doesn't feel it's not a fun subject matter. But hopefully, we are all wrong, and movies come back right away. Yeah, like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like tomorrow. Eagles like. Jinx. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Just fooled you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe, tell your friends, leave us reviews, and uh, check out our website. Rob has a great review up on Enola Holmes. So you definitely want to uh, be visiting Film for Fans. We've got more reviews coming up. I'll hopefully have one up on Infidels here over the weekend. Uh, but check out Rob's uh, Rob's review of Enola Holmes, and uh, that's a good one for you to watch on Netflix this weekend. So I'll be putting up a little more uh, detailed review of Ava as well. Yes. All right. So that'll be coming down the pipeline. So keep up with Film for Fans, and until next time, enjoy the movies. Keep rolling. <laughs>